0: Father, we come to you, uh, and you are our heavenly Father, and you watch out for us, you care for us, you have provided everything that we need for life and godliness and for our sustenance here on earth physically. And we had asked for all the physical fathers in this room that you would bless them, that you would give them wisdom. And for those who uh, their fathers are not here, I pray that you would give them just a spirit of thankfulness that they'd be able to rejoice over the fact that they were brought into the world and we have the chance, the opportunity now to serve you. And I pray that as difficulties arise, that again you would provide for them wisdom to be the fathers that you have asked them to be. I pray that you would give them your heart, the heart that you have for all of humanity, that they may have that for their children and the children of others. So bless them on this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, we have all had earthly fathers, but if we are in Christ, we also have had spiritual fathers as well. And they are fathers in the church that are responsible for the spiritual health and well being of those who wish to be disciples. They set for us examples, and they are pastors, elders, and deacons. And I want to read to you a story of one pastor. Who set forth an, an example that we should all follow? Now, this is Pastor Jeremiah Stepek. He transformed himself into a homeless person and went to a 10,000 member church that he was to be introduced as the head pastor at that morning service. He walked around his soon to be church for 30 minutes while he was uh, filling or filing with other people. Only three people out of the 10,000 said hello to him. He asked people for change to buy food. No one in the church gave him change. He went into the sanctuary to sit down in front of the church and was asked by the ushers if he would please sit in the back. He greeted people to be greeted back with stares and dirty looks with people looking down on him and judging him. As he sat in the back of the church he listened to the church announcements and such. When all that was done, the elders went up and were excited to introduce the new pastor of the church to the congregation. We would like to introduce to you Pastor Jeremiah Stebek. The congregation looked around clapping with joy and anticipation The homeless man sitting in the back stood up and started walking down the aisle. The clapping stopped with all eyes on him. He walked up the altar and took the microphone from the elders, who, by the way, were in on this, and paused for a moment. Then he recited. Then the king will say to those on his right, When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothing and clothe you? When did you see the sick or in prison and go and visit? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. After he recited this, he looked towards the congregation and told them all what he had experienced that morning. Many began to cry and many heads were bowed in shame. He then said, today I see a gathering of people, not a church of Jesus Christ. The world has enough people, but not enough disciples. When will you decide to become disciples? He then dismissed service until next week. Now, Being a Christian is more than something you claim. It's something you live by and share with others. So Pastor Stepik. He attempted to lead his church in such a way to help them mature and truly become examples of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, but what about the qualifications of those who would be leaders in the church? What qualifications should they have in their own personal lives? Well, we're going to get into that in First Timothy chapter 3, so let's pray and ask for God's blessing on it. <clears throat> Father, we know your word has been provided for us, the owner's manual of how we're supposed to act and respond to you and how we're to live our lives in this world, and specifically this morning, how the leaders in the church are supposed to conduct themselves. I would ask that you would fill us full of wisdom, fill us full of insight and knowledge, and be able to recognize those who are leaders and those who would be leaders inside the church. May they fulfill their calling, Lord, for you have always appointed those who would be leaders, and we simply... As a church, confirm who they are. So, Father, we pray that for uh, the insight that you would give to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we are in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And then, after I read the first seven verses there, we're going to hop over to Titus chapter 1. So, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, there are about 14 items in this list here of those who would be elders. He says in verse one, here's a trustworthy saying if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now the overseer must be above reproach the husband of but one wife, temperate, self controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not are but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may be conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Now turn over to Titus chapter 1 and in verse 5. (coughs) Excuse me. He says, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Verse 6, an elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Now, this is not the first time that Paul has addressed elders or deacons inside the church. He did this to the letter are in the letter to the Philippians. In Philippians chapter one, one, he writes, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So there were these <clears throat> elders, these deacons, that were established inside the early churches that were set up by Paul and the other apostles. Now, referring to the priests in the Old Testament, the priests were the ones that everybody went to uh, in the Old Testament to have them intercede to God for them. And the elders provided direction. The elders were usually uh, part of the clans. They would be the elders inside the clan. They were actually the elders like if you go to the Mormon church the elders are about 17 or 18 years old uh, in the Old Testament it was the elders and it was the priests, and the priests were part of the Levite or the Aaronic priesthood that were there so the religious leaders became such through inheritance they were the ones that were the next ones in line And as far as the priests are concerned, they had to be descendants of Aaron or Levi. Nevertheless, the qualifications were there also for them. For instance, in Leviticus, it spells out they couldn't drink wine when they served. They were to teach all the decrees of Moses. They were to be holy and clean. The Levites had to marry a virgin and set a good family example. Uh, They could not have any physical blemish and they had to be at least 30 years old. Now, it used to be back in the 60s, they would say, don't trust anybody over 30. Well, that's when you're able to start actually processing information properly. I've explained this before both here and in the youth that the frontal lobe of the brain doesn't really fully mature until at least 25 and sometimes they say at least until 30. So God knew what he was doing. When someone makes a decision, before that it's usually not a reasoned decision. It's usually combined with an emotional flavor to it and that can lead to error. Now Acts tells us that the responsibilities of elders in the church was to pray and minister the word of God in acts chapter six in verse four it says and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word and they were supposed to appoint those who would be deacons inside the church to take care of the affairs of the church like if there's something that needed to be done for the building or ministering to the widows it was the job of the deacons to do that now back in verse 1 it says here's a trustworthy saying if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer he desires a noble task. Now this is something that has to be uh, not put as a coercion on somebody but somebody that just says I want to do this and they reach out as to grasp something that's the idea in the original uh, Greek it's to set forward to grasp to to take hold of something and so the person does it voluntarily. If you can imagine a cup in a cupboard and you're reaching for that, you want that to fill it with water. That's the idea of becoming an elder. And nobody should be, like I said previously, coerced into doing it. Like, you should be an elder. Come on, you need to step forward on this. The elder has to have the desire in his heart. And as I said also previously in the message here, that elder is one who is simply recognized by the church. God already calls them. If you go through and you start selecting the people, you're going to make a mistake and there's going to be problems on top of that. And so what is done voluntarily is more venerated than when somebody is asked to perform the task and they they feel like they are under an obligation where the person's obligation needs to be to Christ and not to an individual in the church that has chosen them. So the list of things that are here in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus, there's about 23 qualifications, depends on how you read it and which version you're going through. But they have to be above reproach or blameless or not involved in any criminal, immoral, or unethical activity. Now, that's pretty straightforward. The husband of but one wife. And what this means is not that you could have two wives and be an elder, that certainly was a disqualification, but you were supposed to have one wife at a time uh and there are people who have served as elders that have been divorced but even some in the baptist organization if somebody was divorced and then they became a believer then they got married they would still be disqualified from being an elder i once had a pastor and his wife tell me that in the baptist organization they'll do that but just one wife at one time and you don't have to have a wife in order to serve as an elder but a wife is a good balance for the individual who would be an elder. And I know a pastor who's single, uh, and he does a great job, but it's always a good idea uh, to talk to your lifelong partner and get their views on what should happen inside the church. So um, you've heard the phrase, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Well, the same thing applies to the pastor who lays his head down on a pillow right next to his wife because they talk or an elder because they talk they communicate and there is wisdom in that then they must be temperate or mild or pleasant uh, to talk to they have to be self-controlled or disciplined they must be respectable Uh, that means decent in their behavior hospitable able to receive people into their home uh, if somebody comes from out of town, uh, they need to be able to say, well, we'll put you up. Or sometimes when a guest speaker comes into some of the churches, they will assign an elder to take that person to lunch and to just talk with them during the rest of the day while they're visiting. Uh, also able to teach. Now it's, it's not a duty for the person to be uh, a teacher, but they have to be called upon to complete the task. It's like if you're going to be a home Bible study leader, you should be able to teach. You should be able to uh, keep the crowd, so to speak, in check and go with the flow of whatever is being taught. Not given to drunkenness, intoxication, stumbling, slurring of words, not violent. Now, he could probably be an MMA fighter, but he shouldn't belong to a gang somewhere. That's kind of the idea. Um, you know, some people go to boxing uh, gyms, and they box, and it's okay. And if a pastor and an elder did that, well, that's going to be fine. And if he gets a lot of enjoyment about pummeling somebody in a ring in a controlled environment, well, okay, I'm not going to disagree with that. But you better not be walking the streets at night <clears throat> and getting in fights. And then there is the uh, gentle. And gentle means not harsh. I know that uh, men can have a tendency to be harsh, but they should not be with the people inside the church. Not quarrelsome. Uh, they don't argue about different doctrines and the way the church operates. Uh, not a lover of money, not greedy, not a hoarder of money, but known for their generosity. Uh, I knew somebody who was in the church, and he, he couldn't be an elder. He had some other issues, but one of the things was he would leave and leave his wife and kids with no money, and they were required to only turn on one light bulb uh, during the day, and preferably at night, and that was in the kitchen. And everything else, you know, you, you kind of went by starlight inside of the house, and the guy was kind of greedy, wouldn't leave any money uh, behind, and that would definitely be a disqualification for somebody who wanted to be an elder. and must manage his own family well. Now, a believing family is what it says in Titus, and it can be interpreted as not unruly. Uh, adult children have minds of their own, at one particular point, you release your children to be their own people. but when you 're uh, uh, elder in the church, if you have small children uh, like a child that 's ten, eleven, or twelve, and they are just unruly, and they talk back and they 're disrespectful and uh, the parent says something like oh oh, now Timmy don't don't go off like that you know that that's bad Uh, and they really don't do anything to control the behavior of the children how are they going to do when it comes to controlling the behavior of those inside the church and I don't mean that in a way that you are purposely making people do things inside the church but you cannot provide for them wisdom and understanding if you can't do that with your own children then must have a good reputation with outsiders. Now when appointing elders in this church previously we have gone to their employers and to some friends outside the church and we have talked to them and I've had conversations with uh, people on the phone uh, asking about particular elders like uh, Eric who you just read his little food for thought up there. We went and talked to him as an employer and the employer had nothing but good things to say and recommended highly that he be put in a position of leadership Uh, Also, must be a mature believer, knowledgeable, understand what Christ requires according to the scriptures, and able uh, to give an answer for the reason that they have the hope of Christ within. Also, holy or pure in their behavior, lover of what is good, understands doctrine thoroughly, uh, like redemption, sanctification, sin, salvation, eschatology, because people have questions all the time, they also must be an encourager uh, instead of being a downer all the time, like uh, there used to be this guy on uh, cartoons uh, schlep Rock. you know I think Fred Flintstone had him, if you remember Fred Flintstone. It was just always on a downer you don 't want to be on a downer as an elder uh, and also a defender of the faith or an apologist, so you have to have a, a good background. On Scripture and the stories in the Bible, and be able to relate them uh, to others. Now, when I became an elder, they gave me a test—an actual written test—and I had to sit down. and There was Old Testament, New Testament, and then there was theology, and you had to go and answer all of those questions. and They gave it to everyone who was going to be in leadership inside the church at Calvary Chapel, La Mesa, <clears throat> and. It, It was wonderful to take that. It actually gave you a marker of where you were spiritually if you understood the scriptures. And in times past, I've given that test to others. I've passed it out. And uh, most really don't have a grasp of what the Old Testament and New Testament says, and especially uh, theology. And the test came from a reformed bent and so you had to know a little bit about reform theology as well. But if somebody just asks you a question about the Old Testament, you're not confusing Noah with Moses or with Jephthah in the uh, book of Judges. And uh, you know the king that rebuilt uh, or ha- gave the order to rebuild and restore Jerusalem, things like that. You, you just have a, a varied um, knowledge of what the scripture has to say. Now, also, some times people are chosen incorrectly Uh, you go through all the steps you see what they know uh, you see their demeanor all of that but something happens when they get chosen they get full of themselves I, I don't know what happens but there have been cases in all the churches that I know there have been cases like this where somebody is chosen and they serve as an elder and things just go wrong uh, but usually there are flags, indicators that come up of somebody who wants to serve as an elder. For instance, to take marriage. If you have somebody who wants to get married, a couple, you bring them in for premarital counseling. Twice in this church, I've met with people to go through premarital counseling, not just two times, but there were two times that I went through premarital counseling with some of the couples I've been through with dozens of them and those two couples two sets of couples ended up not getting married because these red flags were coming up like and I would tell them, I don't it's your decision but I would think twice about marrying this individual and they ended up not getting married Uh, and that was good for instance if a woman or a man is flirtatious to the extreme at every opportunity before they get married and flirtatious, not with the one they're going to marry. If they're just kind of making the rounds, going around and being flirtatious, they're probably not a, a good recommend for marriage, at least at that time. Or a man and woman who is going to marry someone who lies to their parents—it's probably not a good choice to marry somebody who lies to their parents. Or if they're taking drugs all the time, or if they're generally irresponsible. Uh, it's probably not a good choice. You're going to have problems down the road. So marriage that begins under deceptive circumstances is not going to turn out well. So the person who says they want to serve as an elder, well, if they don't have enough knowledge, biblical knowledge, it could turn out poorly for that individual. There could be some shame and embarrassment when questions come up or getting doctrines wrong. Uh, And so all of those things... We, the doctrine's wrong, especially because you're affecting the lives of the people around you uh, when you tell them what God's will is. So, we want to make sure that uh, an elder, uh, somebody who comes up for being an elder, that you do your best to determine whether or not they are going to be a good choice after they become one. Uh, I've mentioned this book in previous years, How to Prevent a Church Split, is written by Gene Edwards. And he talks about problems in the churches where elders, they became, uh, or they, they got to the office of being an elder, and then they became argumentative and a contrarian and combative inside of the meetings. And that was not good, as he wrote in his book. And then church splits would happen because of the color of a roof. Uh, that was going to be on and we're roofing right now you know somebody could come out and say well I don't like the color why did you pick that color well it was the only one available you know the rest weren't available and that's why we chose that particular color but he said a church split over the color of the roof and in one extreme case the elders they had a murder plot against the pastor in one particular church and it's hard to believe but you know People are sinners. And so those good old elders, you know, they're patient, not argumentative, not combative, but they're willing to hire a hitman to take out the, the pastor. And so just keep in mind, no one is perfect in this. Now, the man, the elder, they would have things taught to them in Scripture, and they'd learn things from others, and things that they experienced would go a long way in helping them not only to personally decide if they should become an elder, but also for the church to decide if they should as well. Now, some of the characteristics of these elders uh, that would just be by experience that you could pick out, for instance, they will constantly be there at a church function, uh, a time of fellowship, or prayer. They'll just show up. You don't have to ask them to come. Also, uh, an elder will take on the responsibility for caring for the people and teaching them. He won't wait to be asked. He will give a word of encouragement or some scripture. Um, Thirdly, he will be eager to serve and again, not having to be asked. They'll just show up and they'll want to do things for people in the church, minister to them. And he will gently lead others. He won't berate somebody in the church. He will ask them maybe if they would like to do something, give them encouragement in that particular task. And again, they will have a sense of responsibility over the body of Christ and it will manifest itself through deeds. They will just do things without being prompted to do so. Now, not big deeds, but acts that are small, consistent, and selfless that do not attract a lot of attention. But anything that goes on in the church, the people cannot hide their good deeds. However small they are, they can't hide them. And if somebody has a track record of doing just small, selfless uh, deeds inside the church, well, they may be a good candidate. And Christ tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 through 4 that they should be eager to serve. Uh, it says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So the the person just has this desire on the inside. When I was asked for the first time, I was going to a Bible study and the person leading the Bible study there was an elder and uh, he, he, we were in, or sitting down at his table and he goes, so what do you eventually want to do in the church? And I said, I don't know. And I was in my early 30s <clears throat> and he asked me, well, do you think you want to be a teacher? What do you want to do? And I said, well, you know, maybe when I'm 40 or 50, I'd like to be an elder. I I think that would be a good thing to do inside of the body of Christ. Well, the next year they asked me to be an elder and it it just started from there. I I had the desire on the inside and somebody who wants to be in leadership will have that desire on the inside. They won't look at the body of Christ as being just a bunch of problems out there, just waiting to happen, a bunch of faults that are just going to fall into place. They don't look at it like that. They see the individual inside the church as somebody who needs help as somebody who needs guidance somebody who needs some knowledge as to what the scripture says and is genuinely interested in seeing them move forward in their walk with Christ they will be a fixture in the church Uh, you will be able to point to them and say yep, they're always here they always have something good to say they're always willing to serve and they see the need they don't have to be asked uh, sixth, they will be the first to arrive and the last to leave. Now, I was always told this when I got a, a job: <clears throat> first to arrive, last to leave. If you do that, you will stand before kings. See a man diligent in his work; he will stand before kings. That's what Scripture has to say about the the workman who is there and who is diligent. And they will be sacrificial in their time with others, even in their leisure time. Uh, they will be willing to sacrifice their own time. So that others may benefit from any spiritual insights or help that they may be able to give. Then they will never complain, but always encourage. Could you imagine an elder who complained all the time? What's with these people? Can't they just sit down during worship? look, they're getting up and they're going at the end of service to get their coffee and donuts already and it's not even over. It's the closing song. What's with you? And they they scowl at the people as they walk out the doors like, what are you getting up already for? And they, they just have something negative to say all the time. And the lights are a little dim in here, aren't they? They need to be lightened up a little bit. How come we have fluorescence? Why don't we have some dimmable lights in there? And it's just, what about the color of the church? I think we need to change the color of the church on the outside. Just complaining about, everything and that's not a good candidate if you want to complain about something go home shut your door in your bathroom look at the mirror and just complain you know to the person inside the mirror because that person is a complainer right there and you'll get it all out and that flesh can just be taken care of in one fell swoop but the person should never complain but always encourage others always be positive in their outlook if somebody comes up and says what do I have to be positive for? I just lost my marriage. My kids won't talk to me. I lost my job. The COVID hit. What am I supposed to be positive about? And of course, the natural response would be scripture. Romans eight Don't you know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose? You should look ahead. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus and forgetting what is behind. All these things that have happened in the past, we cannot change the past. We cannot alter it in any way. Imagine if you had a time machine and you said, I'm going to go back and make different decisions. I'm going to tell myself, don't choose this and choose that. Don't make this mistake. You would not be the person you are today without those mistakes. And God uses those mistakes to fashion us, to make us into who we are. And someone might say, yeah, but they were horrible, horrible things that happened. Well, That's true, God knows it, and he's going to use that for you to minister to other people. When you receive comfort from those things which you have experienced, you're able to pass on that comfort to others. And so the person who is an elder, they're not afraid of adversity. If adversity comes, they just sit back and they ask God for wisdom, and they move forward. They don't become despondent. They don't just say, well, what am I supposed to do now? They just trust in God for everything. Now also, humility, the gentleness and patience will be a hallmark of their lives. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 talks about that individual just like Jesus thought it not um, anything to be considered equal with God. We're not to consider ourselves equal with God in any way, shape or form but we're also not supposed to consider ourselves equal with anyone else. We're supposed to be the servant of all if we want to be Great in God's kingdom. Ephesians 4 2 says, Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So that would be a characteristic, a moniker of the individual who would like to be an elder. And uh, number 10, they will not shrink from a difficult task. Uh, 2 Timothy 4 2 says preach the word be prepared in season and out of season to correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction <clears throat> mickey stonier was an assistant pastor to mike McIntosh at horizon christian fellowship when i went through seminary that was meeting on that campus and he was an advisor and mike McIntosh was uh, doing the i think they called it the meta church he would teach at Mount Alifan, but he would begin his morning up in uh, Rancho Santa Fe they were starting a church up there who now Bob Botsford is the pastor and Mike would start teaching up there and he would get in his car and he'd rush down to Horizon Christian Fellowship and he would teach there so if there's any traffic it could be a problem. And Mickey Stonier was in charge of having the message ready in case Mike didn't make it. And he was explaining to us one time in a a little meeting of the pastors there at the seminary. He said, you know, it was five minutes until Mike was supposed to be there and he wasn't there. Then it was three minutes and he wasn't there. And Mickey had just kind of, he had something in mind, but he really hadn't codified it in his mind. He's going, okay, well, let's see. What am I going to say? And it's two minutes. It's getting down and Mike still isn't there. The worship team is closing out and they're, they're starting to pray and do everything in the service. And he, he, told us that he okay i I got this down he had his passage he knew what he was going to say and he was all set it was one minute get down to 30 seconds and he starts standing up getting ready to go forward and mike comes in the door just right then the last minute he comes in the door and he has his message ready to go but you have to be prepared in season and out of season if somebody calls on you and and you're an elder and says okay you need to lead a bible study You should have something ready to go in the back of your mind, even if it's a small passage. God will guide that individual with the passage that is there and give them insights through the Spirit if they are already well-versed in the Scripture. And and it's amazing how God will do that, but they have to be willing to be prepared for a difficult task that lies ahead. There are also other difficult tasks. Elders in the church are... um, assigned to have difficult conversations with people. Uh, like the woman who her husband just left her. Uh, what do you say? How do you minister to them? Or the the individual, and by the way, wives are a part of this as well. Uh, the wives, uh, maybe they just, or women, a family, they lost a, a child. How do you minister to them? And sometimes it's the wives, sometimes it's the husband, uh, the elder or the elder's wife. Uh, that does that, and you have to be prepared for that. Or there have been on a couple of occasions people who were living together that started attending the church and they wanted to get involved in the church and had to talk to them. Well, are you guys married? Uh, I can think of three examples where that has happened in the past, and uh, <laughs> four examples and i 'm thinking about the examples in my mind: one example, they were asked, and they got offended. And they left, went down to Mexico, and got married, and came back and uh, Another couple left they left for several months, came back, and they showed us the rings, but they said they didn 't like the way that they were asked the question. How do you ask a question nicely like that? Do you say, "Hi, guys, are you married <laughs> oh, oh, you know and another individual I sat with them in the office and and they wanted to get involved in the church. And uh, they were living together. They, they weren't married. And, and I said, you know, you guys, you, you're supposed to be married here. It's what scripture says. If you're living together. And, and, and the one man turned to me. And they weren't prepared to get married. And they, I remembered this guy's phrase. He said, oh, but I love Jesus with all my heart. And I thought to myself, No. You don't because you are refusing. It's one thing if you're in difficult circumstances, but that's the job of an elder is to go to talk to people that are in those types of situations. And and it's not pleasant. It's not fun or sitting in a counseling session with uh, three or four other elders and and dealing with some difficulties, of a couple, or you have a couple that's you're counseling them and they start arguing back and forth and yelling at each other back and forth in the counseling session. I can remember once where I said, Stop! You know, and and they go, What? They couldn't believe that I raised my voice. and said, Stop! You know, they're destroying each other. And so those are not the fun or pleasant things that you would have to do inside of a church setting as an elder but the person who is an elder who is called by God they will not shrink back from that particular task and they will <clears throat> speak the truth but speak it in love so uh, going on 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12 talks about leaders like this it says now we ask you brothers to respect those who work hard among you And who are over you in the Lord, who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other as we urge you, brothers. Warn those who are idle. That means if somebody is in the church and they're refusing to work and they're soaking up the church, you warn them. You admonish them. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Then going on, number 11. uh, They should never be demanding of people they should never get in their face point the finger at the individual and make them comply uh, number 12 uh, they will not be easily frustrated because they understand the heart of people on the inside that all people are fallen and even this last week i had one of the youth saying that somebody was good and they were explaining something about uh, this particular person and i said well i don't agree with your premise that the person is good. Uh, There's only one good. And some others in the youth group, they spoke of, yeah, there's only one who is good and that is God. And if you start with that premise, that people are not good. Matter of fact, given the right circumstances, they'll probably kill you uh, if they have the chance or do you harm. Could you imagine what it would be like, even Christians, if for some reason the food stores that we have, the supermarkets, if they closed down and there was no food, And what would we do as a community? And would people start stealing food if food began to run out? And would some of those people be inside the church, given the right circumstances, and especially parents, Christians, who have small children and they need food for them? Would they steal food from somebody who also needed it to give it to their children? God forbid that we should ever find ourselves in those types of situations, but I dare say there would be individuals who would do that rather than starve themselves. And trust in God that He knows exactly what's going on. And so, the the inside, the heart of an individual, it is not good. Even the elder, even the deacon, even, by self-confession, the pastor. You know, our hearts are desperately wicked, Scripture tells us. And I bear witness to that. Our hearts are desperately wicked. And so, they will not be easily frustrated because they understand people. Number 13, they will be peacemakers. Even if you have to yell, stop, there will be peacemakers. They will separate a fight after they see who's winning. They will separate the fight. This guy, uh, uh, Calvary Chapel Modesto, I can't think of his name right now, but he would joke about that because he was uh, Irish uh, on the inside. He'd love a good fight. Irish and English, and, and so he'd see somebody fighting in a school setting, and he would take his time getting over there to see who was winning the fight, and this is the pastor uh, that would be there, and, and once he got there, you know, he would kind of separate them, but he just he enjoyed a good scuffle uh, that would be out there. Now, they will lead in a gentle manner, uh, like again, I said, not forcibly, and they are able to feed themselves, in other words, they can go to the scripture, they can do the digging, they can actually feed themselves. They're not needy in that way. They're not constantly asking questions, never able to come to conclusions. They will able to be able to dive into the scriptures, come to a conclusion, and hold by that. It doesn't mean that they can't change their mind on something, but they will do so after careful consideration. They moderate uh, how they change. And number 16 they don't serve just to be the pastor's friend. Uh, There are some people who will get into ministry because they feel they can be close to the pastor or the other leadership in the church and they desire those individuals as friends. You never want to get into a position of serving in a church because you might be able to gain friends. You serve because God calls you to serve. And friendships happen organically. Uh, they, they just take place as a result of the likability of the person or persons that serve along with you. And those people who serve naturally become friendly towards one another if their attitudes are correct. Now, with this, I'm, I'm going to make an application. I would hop into the deacons and maybe I'll read a little bit about that. But no elder that I have known <clears throat> has ever been perfect, including myself. We are subject to the same things that everyone else is subject to. Uh, there are times where you will get angry, times where you will get frustrated, whether with people inside the church or outside the church. Husbands are encouraged not to be harsh with their wives or anyone else, and everyone has failed at that. I have seen leaders in the church say things that they probably should not say but that's because they're fallen on the inside but for the most part the hallmark of their lives are all of these things that I just described to you they don't have a tendency to just fly off the handle even uh, scripture says in the book of James that the person who is perfect is able to control his tongue and nobody has yet become perfect and able and being able to control their tongue or even remaining silent when you should not remain silent. I've seen that happen as well, especially in counseling settings uh, where there have been multiple elders uh, sitting down. Sometimes one will not say something in order to avoid an offense, but being an elder, I promise you you're going to cause an offense I have often said that if you've been at this church long enough, eventually you're going to be offended and be offended by something that I say or something that I do. It's going to bring an offense. And this has happened uh, (laughs) both long distance in the past and not so long ago. You know, I I say things, people get offended, and they leave. And, you know, you can't stop that. But I know the heart of individuals usually people they get upset because of what an elder says because they don't get what they want or something is not implemented that they desire to be implemented i've had people bring suggestions about what should happen inside the church you should do this and you should do that and hmm how about you do that how about you go forward and when you say something like that it's you're not doing my will. And it's not the job of the elder or the deacon to do the will of somebody who comes up and suggests something. That's not how the church works. God has placed responsibility in the hands of elders and deacons and deaconesses inside the church and Bible study leaders. And we have to trust that they're doing exactly what the Lord has asked them to do. So no elder that I've ever known has been perfect. And at some point, all of these men have had failings because they are sinners for the most part, and they are pressing towards the mark. They, if they stumble, they fall down. A righteous man will fall seven times and get back up and keep on going. Uh, it's, you know, there's a story I related years ago. Uh, I used to work for a man by the name of Jim Hoffman. Jim Hoffman was. Uh, with his partner, the number one calf roper in the United States. And he lived down in uh, Palm Desert, or actually across the desert over there. I think it was Desert Hot Springs or someplace like that. And he had this dog. And this dog was a healer, if you know what a a healer is. And the dog was was a wonderful dog. Uh, It did could do several things and Jim you know he would get out there with his rope and he had this phony cattle setup that was there and he would rope the the cattle legs and he'd show us how he'd do it and he'd get us all to try and also on the horns you know that he had set up and and this dog was just great this dog would do whatever he asked him to do uh, he, he would say come here and the dog would run immediately and he'd sit down and just wait for instruction well-trained dog except for one area And the area was, he he had this corral that he had set up. And in the corral, he dug down and he put this fence, uh, wire fence along the base of the corral because the dog would be put in there and the dog would have a tendency just to get out. And he put the fence up and it didn't work. The dog would dig underneath the fence and he'd tell the dog, do not dig under the fence. So the dog would do everything else he asked but not that particular thing and he'd get out and he'd get a call a neighbor nine miles down the road your dog's here come get your dog and so he'd have to go get the dog well then he decided he was going to put an electric wire or fence along the base of the arena that that he would place the dog in and so the dog was persistent the dog decided that he was going to dig Underneath the fence and the wire. And of course, if you know anything about the electric fences, they go off in pulses. If you're standing on the ground and you grab that, you may grab it when it's not pulsing and it does nothing. But as soon as that shock hits have you seen the little video of all the kids standing on boxes and they're holding the uh the hot wire of the fence, but they're not touching the ground and nothing's happening to them because they're not grounded. And then one person on the ground grabs the last person's hand and they all just explode at one time once that shot goes through. Well, this dog, it would get underneath the fence and it would pulse. And as soon as it was pulsing, the dog would just go, mm, and then keep digging mm, and keep digging was persistent persistent. And consistent. And the dog would get out. He, he did everything he could to try to keep that dog from getting out. But he would not be stopped. And that has to be the attitude of the elder or deacon. And I have to say this too. That anyone who is an elder or a deacon. Is going to have conflict with other elders and deacons. I have had an elder come up and yell at me. And it was in a meeting and face was all red, pointing the finger and thought something was going on and it wasn't going on. And I explained it and slowly the temperature started to decrease. And after about five minutes, he comes back to me, and goes, are we good? I said, we're good. We're fine. Nothing was going on that he thought was going on. And after the explanation was there, it was clear. But, you know, elders are in the flesh too. And, and so that happens. And, and as long as you're serving in a, a state of grace and you give that grace to others and you don't judge others according to their sins, it's good. Now, I, I don't give you these examples because I'm the good example. I am the bad example as well because I've yelled at sheep. And when I yelled at sheep, they become silent and the eyes get big and the ears go up and and then you know i i come back later and usually say something that you know sorry about that but i was right you know i I don't say it like that but you get the idea It, it just happens that way and as long as we walk in that state of grace it it is good for all and for those who serve as elders they desire a good thing so if you know those who would like to serve as an elder encourage them encourage them to have a good well-rounded knowledge of the word uh, to be in it all the time to listen to other messages to get perspectives from others uh, to listen to some of the shows that just answer questions there's one guy that's on the internet he is a Calvary Chapel pastor his name is Mike Winger And he has um, a video podcast where he will answer 20 questions. And he does this every single week. And those questions are just great. And that's how I cut my teeth. I used to listen to uh, Rich Bueller Talk from the Heart, 74 AM, that broadcast out of Avalon. It's one of the first Christian radio stations here in uh, California. And he would have a a program at the end of the day, Talk from the Heart. And he would talk for three hours and answer questions for people. I listened to it every single day for like a decade. And it was just so helpful to do that. And if you think somebody wants to become an elder, have them listen to those types of broadcasts where they're answering questions. Uh, Dr. John MacArthur also has that on his Grace to You broadcast. He has questions that he will just answer. And most all of them I completely agree with. We disagree on some doctrinal points, but they are uh, not essential to the Christian faith, and that's okay. But that's part of listening to the questions. For instance, uh, one uh, pastor, we actually had him come out and do a pastor's conference, or a, a couple's conference, and I heard him once on the radio answer a question about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And he said, or the person asking the question was: there was a couple. They got divorced. That man went and married another woman. They are married today. This particular pastor said that couple should divorce, and he should go back with the previous wife. And he said, "No, don't!" I'm yelling at the radio. No, that's not the thing to do. Just remate. You don't want to add another divorce onto something and it would just be a mess and so you know even pastors get things wrong from time to time but uh, pray for those that that would like to be elders or even deacons inside the church that they have a well-rounded knowledge of the scriptures encourage them in that it is a noble task it is something to strive for and and not striving as in the human sense but striving with god to make sure that things go well uh, in those pursuits and if we do so, everyone will benefit. And there will be problems for sure. But who doesn't have problems in this life? If there's anyone that doesn't have problems, please bear witness and stand up and give a testimony. Everybody has problems. And so I want to encourage you again, pray for those who would be elders. Pray for the elders. Pray for the deacons. Pray for those who serve because they they have this target on them that Satan would like to get at and just destroy their lives and discourage them in the ministry and take them out and by the way most of the people that I know that have served as elders or as deacons no longer do they got in there and they just got offended or whatever and they took off and they're not serving like that and I think God's gifts and callings are without repentance that there may be a time a season of a break I get that But I think that once somebody is called to that position, they are to operate under that gift. So may God grant us the wisdom to see those individuals, to recognize them in the body of Christ, to encourage them in their work. Otherwise, it would be a burden to them as they serve. So let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for your word and and pointing out how the church should operate, how there should be elders, how there should be deacons inside the church, those who guide because of the goodness you have placed in their hearts to do so. Not because anything within them would motivate themselves to do it, but Lord, Lord, you are able to raise those up, those who would be faithful to follow through with the gifts you have placed in them. And I would ask, not only in this church, but in any other church, those who are seeking after that gift, may they fan it into flame. And may they serve with their whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, please stand as we sing our closing song.